My name is Christian. And I'm Rob. And this is Faith 168. There are 168 hours in every week. And in those 168 hours, we need Jesus to make it through. So join us every week as we share devotions, talk about standing boldly in the Word of God, and answer tough questions submitted by you, our listeners. Welcome Welcome to to Faith 168. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Whatever time you're listening to this, I want to thank you for joining us here at Faith 168. My name is Christian, and I'm here with our co-host, Brother Rob. How are you doing, Brother Rob? Doing well, doing well. Good to be here. And we thank you for joining us on this Friday. Uh, And today we're going to go over a passage in the book of 1 Corinthians. And as you read through 1 Corinthians, Paul seems fairly critical uh, of the church of Corinth. Uh, But as he speaks some of the things that we look at, he's looking to edify the church. He's looking to get them back up on their feet. And tonight we're going to look at something that I think is very important to our faith as Christians. In fact, I don't know, you'd probably agree with me, Brother Rob, this is probably one of the most important things about our faith that we're going to talk about tonight. Yeah, absolutely. And that is love. And we have to understand what it means to love. We have to go in depth on what love is to a Christian because the world consistently brings up that Christians are supposed to be loving. Christians are supposed to share love, show love, act love. And then they complain and they put their own definition toward it. And sometimes we're left dumbfounded before the world as they're claiming that we're supposed to be people of love. And they're saying, well, you don't sound so loving. Well, first and foremost, we need to have a better understanding of love as Christians so that way we can better show our love, or let me take that back, actually, not even just our love, but the love of God to the world, because it's not our love that's really important, but it's the love of God that should be pouring through us that's the most important. So today we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, also known as the love chapter. This is a chapter that is talked about and read quite often at weddings, uh, but the context of it goes even deeper than just a marriage. It goes into this love that is pretty hard as humans to fathom and as fallible humans to fathom. But I think Paul does a great job at expressing this type of love, this godly love in the passage of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 through 13. So that's what we're looking at tonight, and I'm going to go ahead and pass it over to Brother Rob and let him start us out. Absolutely, and we'll start with a a word of prayer. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for this day and for all your many blessings. God, we pray that you uh, would bless and keep each and every person that is listening to this Uh, God, we thank you for them and their support. 
God, we just pray that as we look in your word tonight, that you would speak to our hearts your truth, uh, that you would change us from the inside out to help us to be more like you, to apply these truths to our life. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so I'm going to start here in uh, verse 1. And and as you said, uh, Brother Christian, so well, that uh, uh, even though this is thought of as the love chapter and, and often... Uh, recited at weddings. This is more about a godly type of love, which you're going to talk about in just a few minutes. But this uh, this love is is so important for us to understand. And I believe uh, very often as Christians, we can, uh, because we are children of the King and because we have a greater understanding of the morals uh, of our great God and Savior, um, that we can tend to uh, get up on our high horse. Uh, but when we come to this chapter, every time it brings me down and helps me understand I'm not quite where I need to be. Uh, and so this is a great place for us to to be today, uh, especially in the world that we live in. We need to understand love completely. Uh, because even if we say the right, th- right things, if we don't say them in love, uh, and not just love, but love like that that God has for us and for the person we're talking to, Uh, We might as well not even say it at all. So let's start here in verse 1. The Word of God says, If I speak human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clinging cymbal. Uh, If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Now, I love the way that Paul starts this off. He says, if I speak human uh, or angelic tongue. So what he's saying is no matter what language I speak in, and and this is a beautiful thought. um, Can you imagine being able to to speak every language? Uh, What amazes me is that uh, when we pray to English. God, <laughs> right, that's that's what I'm saying. Uh, but it, it amazes me that um, somebody from every tribe and every tongue can pray to God and God in, understands every language. That just that, that that's crazy to me because I'm a human and God's not. Uh, and, and so it, it's nothing for our God um, who who actually scattered the people and, and confused their languages. But nonetheless, even if we could speak like God, and that's what most people uh, believe that Paul's saying here. It's not that the uh, the angels have a specific language, but uh, that they could understand all languages. They could speak in any language. Um, and even if he could do that, um, if he did not have love, it's like metal clashing against each other. And, and so symbols and gongs, they, they can be, they can be a, a pretty neat sound to hear. Uh, but it's not something you want to hear over and over and over again. Uh, I get migraines pretty easy. And uh, one of the quickest ways to for me to get uh, a migraine is to hear something over and over and over again. And Hazel loves to do that to me. She loves to repeat <laughs> something over and over. But can you imagine if we spoke to somebody uh, and, and it just is like this metal clinging together in their ears? That's what it's like when we talk without love. Why is that? Um, because before a person hears you, they must know that you love them. Uh, and when I say hear, I don't mean just a, an audible understanding. I mean a, 
um, intellectual uh, processing of what mm-hmm. you have to say. Uh, if I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and, and all knowledge, can you imagine that? Uh, scientists say, and uh, I'm way under this percentage, but uh, but even <laughs> people like Albert Einstein had 2% of all knowledge. I'm probably around 0.1, uh, and that might be saying too much of myself uh, there. But can oh, you imagine man. knowing everything? Like, I, it just blows my mind. I, I can sit around and think about God being eternal all day long, and I'm, I'm still just as baffled at the end of the day as I was at the beginning of the day. I, I think of uh, my mind understands everything with beginning of times and end of times. God had no beginning, and he has no end. He's eternally present, and, and that thought alone can, can do me in for an entire day. Uh, but can you imagine have, having all knowledge, yet even if you have all knowledge and you are able to, to move mountains, which is a, um, a metaphor or a, a way of saying that if you could do things that were unfathomable, something that, that is unheard of, um, but you do not have love, then you're nothing. Uh, even, and I love the, the old King James version of, of this verse, and I don't have it in front of me, so I'm not going to quote it perfectly. But uh, if, I, if I give myself to uh, at the stake to be a martyr, um, but I don't have love, then I gain nothing. So even if I die for my friends, or, or if, if I go to die for the truth, uh, but I do not have love for the people around me, uh, then I've done it for no reason. Uh, and so we have to understand that a godly love goes beyond simple, uh, simply communicating with people. It goes beyond uh, just knowing things. It goes beyond even laying your life down. And that's that's impressive. There's not many people that lay their life down for truth. And, and when they do, we think highly of these people. But what, what Paul's saying here is even if they, they laid their life down for truth, they have love. They don't have love. They're nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that, that is just uh, amazing to me. And, and it makes me think, where am I according to this standard? Um, and that's, that's something that I need to think about every day. And uh, I think, Brother Christian, I think you're going to talk to us about that, uh, about a few words here. Right. Yeah. And what really makes this passage stand out is the word that's used for love you see the greek new testament well the new testament in general was written in greek uh in this ancient greek and the word that use is used for love is different than sometimes we define it even as we're reading it sometimes the context in which we teach love in scripture is out of context because it's not defined by the word that's actually used. When I was studying poetry, one of the things that we were constantly warned about was using the word love in our poems because love in the English language is one of the most abstract words. Because what is love? Because I can say I love the sky I love my wife and I love a triple classic cheeseburgers from Wendy's. And that is not an endorsement, but 
when I say I love these things, I love the sky, I love my wife, I love cheeseburgers, I love all of these things in a different way. And in context, you'll understand that. I'm not equating my wife to uh, a cheeseburger, and I'm Better not, not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry if you're listening to this, my <laughs> lovely wife. But no, I'm not, I'm not uh, equating her to a cheeseburger. My love for her is greater. It's more vast, and it's more complex. But I really enjoy sitting down and eating a cheeseburger every once in a while, even though I'm told quite often, maybe I shouldn't eat another cheeseburger. Maybe I need to hold back on a triple classic. Uh, but in Greek, they have these three words that you'll read through the New Testament. There's eros, phileo, and agape. And there's even a fourth word. It's not used in the New Testament, but storge. Uh, is, is a word, but eros is an intimacy, a physical intimacy between a husband and a wife. Uh, phileo is a friendship. And then agape is a godly, unconditional, charitable love. And that word storge, that's not used in the New Testament. That's a familial love. So that's a, a love that you would give to a family member, someone you were related to. And what we find as we're reading this passage is the word that's used is agape. And most of the time when you're reading through scripture, the word for love that you're going to find is typically agape. But sometimes we take the definition of agape and preach it like phileo or eros or even storge, which isn't even used in the New Testament. And what we have to understand is that agape is so vast and complex compared to these other types of love because it's without condition. It's unconditional godly love. When you have eros and phileo, those are conditional. Uh, you, you have uh, a intimacy uh, with your wife because you have married that person. That person is someone that you trust. There's a lot of conditions that go into that and you don't share Eros with everyone else. Or if you do, uh, then uh, you're wrong in doing that. That's something that is specifically supposed to be between husband and wife. Right. Husband and wife. Uh, and then phileo, there's a lot of things, uh, conditions to phileo. Uh, I don't hang out with everybody. Uh, I hang out with Rob because he likes some of the same things I do. We have a similar faith. Uh, he makes me feel more superior sometimes because of how much better I am. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, uh, but we have a lot of things in common and I enjoy hanging out with him. He helps me stand up. I help him stand up. There are conditions even to that relationship. But with agape, agape is unconditional. It's meaning I love you because you are a creation of God and there's nothing that can change that love. And that's the love that we're called to have. And when you speak without having this unconditional love, especially if you're trying to present the gospel, you can present the gospel over and over and over. But if you don't present the gospel from the standpoint of unconditional agape love, you're going to sound like a clanging symbol. Uh, 
and and useless noise uh and and you can understand all of these different things and be one of the smartest people in the world but without agape love you're really nothing you're gaining nothing uh and all that you possess though it seems great by the world is very small and minuscule compared to the fact that you have no agape love in your life and then you can do all these great deeds and this is a thing within the Christian faith we need to understand is that love does call us to action, but action does not mean that we love. And so many times we try to do all these good things so that maybe our good will outweigh the bad, and then we'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And he's not going to look at our deeds. He's going to look if that if that agape love is really in us because we'll learn as we continue to read through this is that agape love only comes from faith in Christ. But you can do all these works if you do it without agape love. If you try and boast in yourself, all of your work is gainless. So without agape love, what I'm saying is pretty much everything about you is useless. But let's go ahead and read verse 4 through 7. And this is what we call the personification of love. And Paul writes here, Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And so if you want to know exactly how deep this agape love dwells within you, all you have to do is look at this passage and just take the word love out for a moment and put your name. So when I think about it, Christian, am I patient is Christian patient? Is Christian kind? Uh, is Christian envious? Is Christian boastful? Uh, and if I if I fit into those things, that's that's contrary to uh, love, agape love. And, and I find that I fit more closely in the contrary part quite often than in the similarity uh, to agape love. And what we have to do as Christians, as we understand and take in this agape love, is let agape love have its work in us. Let God's agape unconditional love pour out of us. And when we let that happen, we stop trying to force it. We find that we fall in line better with this personification of love. We find that we become more patient. We become more kind. We become less envious. We become less boastful. We're not as arrogant. We're not as rude. We're not as self-seeking. We're not irritable. Uh, we don't keep records of wrongs. That's that's a big thing that we can look at. That's usually the one thing that, that we try and look over is keeping that record of wrongs. How many times do we as Christians sit down in the body of the church and look around and and what we want to do is talk about the record of wrongs. We want to hold up everyone else's record of wrongs. That's not what agape love is about. Agape love 
does not keep a record of wrongdoings. And, and so, uh, Brother Rob, what do you got about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I loved how you introduced this section uh, of this chapter. So you said it's the pers- personification uh, mm-hmm. of love. And so who is the personification of love? So I want to read um, from the book of Philippians. So this is also Paul speaking, and he's speaking about Jesus. And so I just want you to think about these words. Um, and and so what what you just read, love is patient, kind, does not envy, it's not boastful, it's not arrogant, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not irritable, does not keep a record of wrong. Um, all these things, I want us to read about Jesus here and see if we can see all these things in in, in Jesus, in the, the person of Jesus and what he, what he did. So uh, verse 5 of chapter 2 of Philippians says, Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Uh, who existing in the form of God did not consider him uh, consider equality with God as something to be exploited. So what did that say? He existed in the form of God. So remember John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And so who who is that word? Uh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That is Jesus Christ. Um, he, is, he is fully God. Um, and so we see that even though he existed in the form of God, and he was equal with God, he did not consider that equality something to be exploited. He didn't take advantage of that when he was on the earth. How do we know that? Because he'd humbled himself to death. We're going to read that just in in just a second. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant. I've said it before and I'll say it again. If I was Jesus, I would have come down on a gold staircase from heaven and I would have set up my throne as King of Kings and Lord of Lords and I would have got rid of everybody Um, who didn't like it. Uh, Jesus decided to do something else. He decided to come as a servant. He served. He washed the feet of the disciples. Uh, He he served the disciples. Um, He served us by dying for us, uh, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by being uh, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. It was said uh, in Jesus's day that anybody uh, who died on a, a cross or on a tree was a curse. Uh, what the beauty of that is, is that Jesus became the curse of Genesis chapter 3 so that we could become the righteousness of, of God in Christ Jesus. And so it's just beautiful here. For this reason, God highly exalted him. So God exalted Jesus. Uh, but before God exalted Jesus, what did Jesus do? He humbled himself. He became the personification of love. If Jesus can do it, the King of kings and Lord of lords, um, then we ought to do it as well. Um, uh, and then Paul talks about in other places, husband loves your wife just as, as Christ loved the church. If we truly understood that, um, every woman uh, would would love to submit to their husband uh, because mm-hmm. there's not a greater love and sacrifice than what Jesus did for the church. Uh, and so this personification of love, is, as you said, and so rightly so, um, this looks like Jesus. So, so if we want to know what this looks like, it looks like Jesus. Right. Uh, and so, as you said, is, is Rob patient? Is Rob kind? Um, we can put, is, is Jesus patient? Is Jesus kind? Of, of course he was. Of, of course he was. Uh, and so that just that shows the beauty of this and, and how we ought to, to live this, this life. Um, I think of Jesus when he was to, to be crucified. 
and he was questioned. Who are you? What have you done? Uh, he doesn't come back with anything. Uh, the only thing that he says is, um, Pilate says to him, you know, I have the ability, I have the right, I have the power um, of life and death over you. Uh, and then Jesus just says, you only have it because God has given it to you. It, it's been mm -hmm. given to you from above. But he doesn't give an excuse. He doesn't give an account. He is the, the most innocent man, uh, yet he doesn't even give an account. And that is just amazing, amazing love. All right. So now we're going to continue on reading here. And we're going to, to read um, verses... Uh, 8 through 10. So verse 8 says, uh, Love never ends, but as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when we when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. This is, this is beautiful here. And, uh, and I, I absolutely love it. The, this is saying... That, that love never ends. So so how much uh, love does God have for us? Eternal love. And that, that just is amazing to me. I was in a, Before I became a child of God, I was an enemy of God. Yet he loved me even while I was an, an enemy. And his love, it never fades. It never ends. There's, there's no stop to it. Uh, as for things like prophecies, as th for things like tongues and, uh, and knowledge, all of that stuff will come to an end. Why? Notice what Paul is talking about here are spiritual gifts. It's what he talked about in the first three verses. It's what he's talking about here are spiritual gifts. And so even if I am gifted by the Spirit in these things, um, it's for a purpose. So mm -hmm. there's a purpose for prophecies, uh, but they will come to an end. There's a purpose for tongues. And no, so this is not a babbling in a different language. This is the ability to speak to other people in different languages, um, whether it's to learn languages very easily through the Holy Spirit or whether it's a supernatural activity of, of God um, changing the language as he changed the, the water into wine, whichever case it may be, that will end eventually. Um, mm -hmm. It's for knowledge. We all know some things. Nobody knows everything. But there will come a time where we will no longer need to come to know anything because we will be like Jesus and we will know all. Uh, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. So these uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit are, are just partial. They're temporary. Uh, they're not permanent. But when the perfect comes. Now, I want to talk about this for just a second because uh, there's a lot of confusion on this. And oh, y'all better watch out when a pastor <laughs> says just a second. <laughs> right. So. There, there's a lot of confusion on this, and um, a lot of people disagree with me here, but I, I want us to consider this deeply and, and really think about it for just a minute. Most people will say when the perfect comes means when the Bible uh, is is completely put together. Uh, the, the exact year uh, is escaping my mind at the moment, but in the, uh, the 300s AD, uh, the Bible was completely put together, and so they will say, well, all that that ended then. Uh, and so the perfect was when the Bible come. This is a common uh, a common belief of the Church of Christ. I also know many uh, Baptists who believe that as well. Uh, but while God's Word is perfect in purpose, so its purpose is to reveal to us the heart, the character of God, His, His mercy and His grace, it's not complete. Uh, 
the only perfect thing in all of creation is Jesus, is, is our God. And so when Jesus comes, um, the partial will come to an end. And so let me ask you this, um, Brother Christian, is there anything we disagree on as, as far as theology and, and things we believe about the Bible? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I'm, I'm usually the right one, but yeah, yeah. we do. No, <laughs> right, absolutely, absolutely. No, but but that's the point. Is if, if if all that had to end when the perfect come, something went terribly wrong somewhere. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that's the point. Is that what is all this talking about? It's talking about love. What is the perfect love? The perfect love is love personified. Who is that? That is Jesus. And so when the perfect come, that's Jesus. When when Jesus comes, will we need to prophesy? No, because we will be with him and he'll be our God and we'll be his people. Will we need to speak in tongues? No, because we'll all know everything and, and we'll all understand each other perfectly. Um, will we need any of the other spiritual gifts? Will we need supernatural knowledge? No, because we will be made like Jesus to know all things. And so when Jesus comes, the partial will end. Until then, I need his Holy Spirit inside of me every second of every day. But when he comes, I won't just walk and talk with him in my heart. I'll get to walk and talk with him forevermore. And so that's the beauty is that love never ends. And ultimately, when everything else fails, Jesus will never fail. Mm -hmm. True love never fails. Brother Christian, what do you have to say about that? Man, I think you you explain that perfectly. Uh, prophecies, they eventually come to pass. Mm -hmm. Tongues will eventually cease, whether that means in a spiritual sense or that literally just means we're speaking right now. But yeah. I would wager that probably within the next 80 to 100 years, neither Robbie and I or I will be speaking. Right. Um, so it, at least I hope so. I don't want to go that long, <laughs> right? <laughs> but um, and right now we have a part of the mysteries of God. We have a partial understanding. We have this scripture, yeah, and that is, I think, our partial understanding. Therefore, yeah. when we get to that which is perfect has come, mm -hmm. isn't talking about the scripture and its infallibility coming in because then all these other things will have passed away and then we yeah. should have all knowledge yet here we are uh, stammering around trying to figure out what's going on and decipher yeah. these things so yeah i think that which is perfect is talking about christ when he comes all of these other things uh these this partial knowledge this partial understanding um and these prophecies will have all come to pass by that point. But we still see that agape love That's right. outside of all of these things is eternal. Yeah. So let's read 11 through 12. And Paul writes, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. And so I think when we read that earlier passage that Brother Rob read for us, 
that it's easy to misunderstand when that which is perfect has come, mm-hmm. but we have to read the full context. We can't right. stop at that passage. Right. And so Paul writes here, he says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child and I understood things like a child. Uh, but then I became a man and I put away childish things. And right now it looks like we're looking through a, a mirror uh, dimly uh, or, or distorted, but then uh, we'll, see face to face we'll know uh just as we are known it won't just be in part anymore and so what we see here is the mysteries of god and understanding the scripture even understanding his grace uh understanding doctrines like the trinity all of those things are hard for us to understand right now and we go from this time of childhood, which I believe is in reference to this physical life we have right now, to adulthood, which is eternal life in Christ. And then all of these mysteries will be revealed in eternity, not here in this flesh, but when our salvation is complete. And scripture is very clear on that. Our salvation has just begun. When we put our faith in Christ, our salvation is just begun the completion of our salvation. That's not saying it can be taken away or anything, but the completion of our salvation is when we go home to be with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, we go from this time of being a child here in this world, understanding things differently to becoming an adult. We go from seeing things through a glass dimly, which I don't know if you've ever taken uh, a glass of water and held it up to your eye and looked through it. Everything on the other side is distorted. If you were to try and read a newspaper by doing that, uh, the words would be distorted. You might make out some of the words, but it would be difficult for you to do that. But he's saying that when this time of adulthood comes to pass, that all of these, these blurry things are taken away. And now he knows just as he is known. And that's talking about how completely God knows us. So we see scripture that God knows the number of hairs on our head. Uh, He knitted us together in our mother's womb. He knew us before uh, all creation, before the foundations of this world even. And that's how completely God knows us. And I think this is what Paul is saying is that that's how completely when we leave this world, when we leave this flesh and enter into his eternal kingdom, that's how completely we will know all these mysteries and we'll know God. Yeah. What do you got to say about that, Rob? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you, you hit it on the head. So um, the, the beauty here is that Paul uh, of all people, uh, for him to say that he doesn't understand all things, that he doesn't know all things. We're talking about the guy who wrote uh, a, a big portion of the, the New Testament, a, a man who saw Jesus uh, face-to-face uh, in Jesus' resurrection bo- resurrected body uh, as Paul was uh, transformed, as he was changed. We Paul is the one who... Uh, who was the Pharisee of, of Pharisees, who um, who had, was learned more than almost anybody in his day, who uh, understood the things of God better than anybody um, that we probably will ever know. And he says that that he only knows in part. Um, if, if Paul only knew in part, the one who God inspired to write uh, a big portion of the New Testament, um, none of us are going to know in full. 
And so what we see here is that even even with Paul, uh, he's he's comparing himself to a child uh, because he's in the infancy uh, of his spiritual life. When we look at eternity, um, the life we live is is a vapor. It's a puff of smoke. It's a, a blade of grass that's here today and, and gone tomorrow. Um, but when we step into eternity and we become like Christ, um, knowing God as he knows us, um, I, I just can't imagine. That, that's going to be a glorious day and an amazing mm-hmm. day. Until then, we've got a lot of work to do in trying to figure this stuff out. Uh, but no matter if we spend a hundred lifetimes, we would never fully understand uh, the goodness and the perfection and the mercies of God because he is just simply that good. Um, the the Bible is an amazing book. It's infallible. It is perfect. You will never find a contradiction in it. And if you do find one, it's it's your understanding. It's not the, the word of God. Um, and, and yet it still cannot help us perfectly understand who God is. The only one that can do that is Jesus himself. And one day he will make us like him. And I can't wait. Uh, we see, uh, we see ourselves um, through a, a reflection, a, a refraction, but uh, one day we will see as, as he sees and he, we will know as, as he knows. Uh, and, and so that is just beautiful. Now this is the, the last verse. And then I want to do something, uh, do something special. Um, I know that um, um, we had brother Christian, come over to the church a few months ago and um, he, he read this passage for us and, and he uh, did a little exposition on it and it was a, a beautiful exposition and he did this. So I'm going to copy him. Uh, if that's all right, I'm not going to plagiarize you, but I'm going to copy uh, with your <laughs> just, permission. Just make sure to cite it. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm Very loudly. <laughs> <laughs> right. Absolutely. But, uh, but anyways, I'll read this and then I'll do what, what you did uh, a few months ago. Now these three remain faith, hope, and love but the greatest of these is love. And we talked about how love um, personified is, is Jesus himself. So I want to read, reread this whole chapter. Uh, but anytime I see the word love, I'm going to replace love with Jesus. And, and I want you to see how good and how great our God is. Um, so First uh, Corinthians chapter 13, starting in verse 1. Uh, if I speak human or angelic tongues... But I do not have Jesus. I'm a noisy gong or a clinging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have Jesus, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to boast, but I do not have Jesus, I gain nothing. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not envy, uh, he does not boast, he is not arrogant, he is not rude, he is not self-seeking, he's not irritable, he does not keep a record of wrong. Isn't that amazing? Just that one thought alone. Uh, I'm telling you, if he did, mine would be a mile long, but he cast my sin as far as the east is from the west, and that just simply amazes me. Jesus finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. Uh, Jesus bears all things, Jesus believes all things, Jesus hopes all things, and Jesus endures all things. Uh, Jesus never ends, but as for prophecy, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end, for we know in part, and uh, we prophesy in part. 
But when the perfect Jesus comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now, we only see a reflection as in the mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and Jesus, but the greatest is Jesus. What mm-hmm. a mighty God we serve. That is that is just mm-hmm. so powerful uh, when you look at, at God in that. And so I'm going to... Uh, to end with a verse, and then I think Brother Christian's got a, a few more verses for you. But this is from 1 John chapter 4, and I'm going to read verses 7 and 8 for you. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, because love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So if you've been born again, you have love. You might not mm-hmm. always experience it, and you may not always give it, but you have it. More specifically, but, agape love, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's right. That perfect godly love. Uh, you can love um, physically, you can love emotionally uh, without God, but you cannot love unconditionally uh, in the way God does without him. Uh, mm-hmm. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. We cannot love if we do not have God. And, mm-hmm. and he graciously uh, provided a way for us. Uh, and he is just such an amazing God, and I'm just thankful uh, that I get to serve. Uh, and so because of that, I'm going to try my best to live my life in the love that Christ has given me, mm-hmm. Brother Christian. Yeah. yeah, and I found this passage to be the most confusing in the whole Bible when I first read it. In fact, it was so confusing to me that when God called me into the ministry and I was preparing for my first sermon, Mm. this is actually the passage that I preached out of. But when I get to verse 13, out of these three things, faith, hope, and love, Mm. love's the greatest. Right. And I'm thinking, how could love be greater than faith? Right. Because faith is the deed to our salvation. Right. How could love be greater than hope? Because our hope is eternal life in Christ. Right. And for the longest time until I read 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, I didn't quite get what Paul meant, but his words resonated within my very soul. And I knew what he was saying had to be true, but how? And then you read that God is love, that Jesus is love, the personification of love. When you put Jesus's name there, he fits it perfectly. And that the only way we can have this godly, unconditional love is through faith in Christ. And people sometimes get mad when I talk about that, that if you're outside of Christ, you can't have this unconditional love. Well, I love my child unconditionally. That's actually the most untrue statement ever uh, because we have a lot of conditions on how much we love our child. Now, I will say that when it comes to unconditional love, I think the closest worldly love to unconditional love, the closest thing that mimics unconditional love is the love that we can have for our children. But 
why did I love Maisie when she was born? It's because she was a part of me. She's my daughter. And, and I don't treat every child the same way I treat my daughter. There is a condition to that. That's what we call storge love. What I mentioned before, a familial love. I love her because she's a part of me. She's my family. She is my child and I am raising her. I'm instilling my beliefs in her. And that is one of those things that intensifies my love for her and creates a strong bond. And I don't create that with every person or every kid that I meet. Uh, so, so we see the condition there, but, uh, we also see in this, that this unconditional agape love is not just a part of who God is. It's not just a part of who Jesus is, but agape love is who he is. It's his defining quality. If you want to understand Jesus, just look at agape love. And so, all these things will pass, but Christ is eternal. His love is eternal. Uh, and and if you want to, I believe, experience all forms of love at their strongest, I think the first place you need to focus on is the love of God, putting your faith in Christ. When agape love enters into your life, it makes all other loves that you experience stronger. If every relationship that you create in this world starts with agape, unconditional, sacrificial, charitable love, your friendships, your marriages, your family relationships will be stronger if God is the basis of all of those relationships. So when Brother Rob read that passage out of 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 8. I want to I want to finish up and read 9 through 10, where we see this love manifested. Where it says, God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So above all else, agape love is not just this unconditional love, but it is a sacrificial love as well. And Jesus shows us this by coming into this world. Though we were sinners, Mm -hmm. he died on the cross for us so that we once more could have union with God. I want to thank you all so much for tuning in and being with us here at faith one, six, eight. And before we end today, I just, I'm going to ask brother Rob, do you have anything else you want to say before we dismiss? No, I think you summed it up perfectly. The, the sacrificial love of Jesus Uh, should consume us to the point where we want to be like him and sacrifice for others because um, the the love that he has for us is now inside of us and should outflow from our hearts. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, one of the greatest things that that we could ever do uh, 
um, is to share God's love. And, and I have uh, been able to walk um, with people and, and, and talk them through um, putting their faith in Jesus. Uh, now, a prayer cannot save us. Um, saying some words, getting dunked, that doesn't save us. But putting our faith in Jesus, calling upon the name of the Lord uh, and believing is what saves us. Um, mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit coming inside of us to live inside of us saves us. But to be able to walk with people to the point where they finally get the love of God and it clicks and they put their faith in him is just the most amazing thing that I've ever seen. It's yeah. just so amazing. And we should all want to be able or, or, or should want to, to do that continually um, because that is what God has called us to do, to go to preach, to teach, to baptize, to disciple. We do that because we love. We love God and we love each other. Why? Because Jesus first loved us. Amen. Yes. Amen. Well, again, thank you all so much for tuning in with us. We're glad that we could worship with you and discuss God's word with you this Friday. I hope you have a great rest of the week and we can't wait to do this again in 168 hours so if you will if you are not driving once again if you're not driving just bow with us for a moment and let's meet our lord in prayer father i thank you so much for this day for bringing us together in this way through this podcast but i thank you so much for the love that you showed us this unconditional this sacrificial agape love that you showed us that even though we didn't deserve it, even though it would have seemed easier and right to turn on us, or like Brother Rob said earlier, just to come down and assert your authority and let people know that you're in charge. You didn't do that. Instead, you chose to love us and give yourself as a sacrifice for us on the cross. So we thank you and we praise you for that. And Father, just be with us throughout this week. Help us in these next 168 hours. Put the world aside and focus on you and let your love pour through us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Every week has its trials and tribulations. And we want to encourage you to seek Christ during those times. We want to pray for you during those times. So look us up on Facebook by typing in Faith 168 Podcast and send us a message. It can be a prayer request or maybe you want us to answer a question that you've been contemplating. Just send us a message. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we will see you again in 168 hours.